Listen, if you are like most people, you spend a lot of time on social media and it feels like it's a waste of time, why not start figuring out how your time on these social media platforms can actually make you some money by leveraging those things that you recommend, the products you love, the things that you talk about, the great deal on a rug that you just got, the lash product that has changed your life. If you're one of those people that believes sharing is caring and you love sharing your favorite things and deals and those kinds of things, like you should be getting paid for that. But brands aren't going to reach out to you. You need to know how to reach out to them to set up these brand deals. And again, they don't care if you have a big following. They don't care if you don't go on camera. They just want to know, are you somebody that people trust and engage with? If that could be you and you want to learn how to do this the right way, we have a new mini course that is super easy to get through. It's really fast to get through. And it walks you through the process of how to get started with brand deals. It's pretty cool. Like we teach you how to pitch yourself. We put together templates for you so you can just like basically copy and paste the email. We show you how to put together a media kit. In fact, we give you a template so you can just like drop and drag your own photos and information about your social media platform. We will teach you how to ask for free product from companies and then how to negotiate your rates. And with the big changes to Instagram, you know, Instagram's favoring smaller accounts, like the time is now. So don't miss this opportunity. Check it out right now. Go to shaleen.com forward slash micro. Again, it's shaleen.com forward slash micro. And let's get you some brand deals. Hey, so thanks so much for joining me today on this episode of The Shaleen Show. Wow, this one is pretty heavy. Brett and I talk about things we have never talked about before, which is kind of surprising. But thanks to your questions, you allowed us to kind of dig into some areas that, for me anyways, was really fascinating. I think this is very cathartic for Brett, and I know it's going to be very helpful to you. If you've ever been in a relationship where you feel like secrets or betrayal or trust, or even just like this awkwardness between you, the two of you is something that's not allowing you to go to the next level, then this episode is going to be super helpful. Brett and I took your questions from Instagram and many of them related to his gambling and addiction and the recovery and the secrets and us rebuilding trust. And we go there. All right. So without further ado, here we go. So we're giving you the opportunity to ask Brett all the questions. I mean, some of these questions are directed to both of us. But the first question that people want to ask is, have you always kind of had an addictive personality? Or or do you think you have an addictive personality? And if so, when did you realize you did? I didn't realize I had an addictive personality until I was in the middle of gambling. So Mm -hmm. I, I thought, because my first addiction was like a healthy addiction, which that was, being what? which was, I, I constantly just wanted to be playing sports and mm-hmm. like working out. And if it was shooting baskets, I was addicted. Like most kids would go shoot baskets for a half an hour, an hour. I would do it for eight hours, eight hours. I go all day. Like That's... literally I was so <laughs> like, you've seen pictures of me when I was a kid. I was like a twig. Like I, I didn't stop to eat. Like literally mm-hmm. I just would go all day long mm-hmm. and I loved doing that. Hmm. It's interesting because as an adult, we realized that was not something your parents were having you do. You had a brother who was not doing that. Correct. It was just something you did to kind of like... Disassociate. Mm-hmm. Which and, I learned later through therapy. Yeah. 
so it's kind of like in retrospect, you realized that you had some addictive tendencies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Do you think most people who are incredibly successful at what they do at a pretty young age have some level of addiction? I think a hundred percent that I think that it takes some kind of trauma to catapult you into, you know, whether it's athletics or a musical instrument or, you know, like books and being like super smart or inventing stuff. I think there's something that triggers you into doing that. And I think it happens at, you know, a really young age. I mean, it's that book about like the 10,000 hour rule. Like, the, well, that's interesting. Can, and maybe if I can play devil's advocate sure. there, you just said it's probably a trauma that catapults somebody into playing sports or gymnastics or an instrument or reading. And I think maybe you misspoke. I'm assuming what you mean is catapult you into being obsessed with it yes. and not being pushed, but like you can't stop doing it. Yeah, because it makes you like not think about whatever you want to think, think about. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then what happens is if you have success at that, mm -hmm. then you're like, oh my gosh, this feels so much better than thinking about the other stuff. Oh, that's an interesting And so you just keep doing it. So that's why when you get somebody that's like really, really good uh -huh. and they typically you don't get somebody that's like started something at like 17 years old and then they become like amazing at that's it. That's true. You know, they've started at a young age and they might have... I'm talking about sports right now. They might have switched to sport and then became really good at a later age, but they developed those patterns and those habits and those work ethics at an early age mm. to avoid feeling that trauma. And then once they got good and had a good feeling about it, or maybe they got praise from somebody that they really wanted praise from would drive them more. Mm, that makes sense. So then once you quit playing football mm -hmm. then you I mean you always kind of like dabbled in like bed yeah but like I mean yeah but not like just like anybody else like the alcoholic versus the person that drinks occasionally a couple times a week mm. you know so when did you feel like do you remember like a day or do you remember an, an instance or even like one memory where you're like I have a problem with gambling Oh, that happened more than once, and I, and but just one not, memory. Think about it for a second. It wasn't like one day or one memory. It was a two week span oh. that I felt like like this is out of control. Tell me about it. I literally like had a, a huge week. We, I, <laughs> yeah, can you. I say <laughs> I, you. yeah, had a huge week. So that means a lot of wins, a lot of money. And do you remember how much? I bet you do. Oh yeah. How much? Tell me. $104,000. So you had won $104,000. Yeah. Okay. And at that point, and what does that feel like? I remember, I remember going, cause that at that point it was literally like, Oh, like we could have stopped. Like if I wasn't addicted, sure. I could have stopped right there. And like, it would have been like, everything fixed, everything fit. Like that was enough. Okay. Like, I mean, maybe we're down a few thousand, but it wasn't like, it wasn't drastic. It wasn't like shuffling money. Like it, at that point it was like, okay. And I remember it took me two weeks to lose it all back. Wow. Cause you were chasing it down. Cause I thought like, oh, this is it. This is the run. Like this is a hundred thousand is going to turn to a 500,000 or a million. You know, it's like one of those type of things, okay. the competitiveness and the addiction. Mm. I think with me, 
made it worse mm. because I was so competitive and it was almost like a you know a game that I was in and I was competing mm. rather than like knowing now like you just can't do that you can't you're not going to win that you're not going to win that battle I don't remember what we were watching the other day something about addiction or maybe we were talking oh I know we were talking about someone with an addiction I won't mention names and you had said that if they're truly an addict it's a full-time job and they are consumed by it so can you describe what that felt like yeah you're always literally thinking about the next bet so here's the weird thing about that is sports usually happened at night Mm -hmm. So it would start like around midday, like going, oh, what am I going to bet tonight? You start looking, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like, and then you're trying to figure out, okay, well, where am I going to be? Am I going to be able to bet? Am I going to be able to even watch this? Am I going to be able to do it? Like, you know, is there going to be any satisfaction of gambling? So what do you mean by, was there going to be any satisfaction? Okay. So I don't know other addictions, but like, Gambling has a two-hour window if you're talking about a game. Okay. So are you going to be able to watch that game and at least be able to enjoy the highs and lows of the gamble? Like the winning, the losing, whatever. So that's kind of the high you chase? It was at the beginning. Okay. At the end, I could care less. I just made the bets. Like okay. literally, okay. I didn't, okay. like I, I would look like later that day to see how we did. Oh. Like literally it got to the point where like I didn't care. It was actually just the fact that I, I got to put money on a bet. Okay. And I didn't like I like I wouldn't even watch well, you you know you were with me. How much I didn't watch like sports like twenty four seven. No, so, no, rarely. I yeah, don't so even saying, remember. Yeah, so you know there wasn't a like so. Which is got, another reason why it was, and you didn't go to the horses. I mean, maybe you were, but like there's just it didn't add up. Yeah, it was it, it was, was well hidden, should I say? Correct, and I think that's like the addict that goes to the alcoholic that has thirteen liquor stores and they rotate, so they don't want people to know like they're. Uh-huh. I've asked people that before. Because okay. I, I, when I coached and I went into that liquor store over by the high school to get like sunflower seeds or water or whatever, and I, I asked the person there, I go, do you see the same people every day? And they go, they rotate. Mm, mm. And so that was an interesting kind of concept. I, you know, I've never really talked to other addicts about their addiction, like mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. We watched a lot of shows, though. A lot of shows, but you know, never like talk. And we you know we know some people that are recovered and for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it'd be so, tell me how it feels. We were just talking about like what what does it feel like all day? Because you said if someone's an addict, we were referring to somebody else. You said it's their full time obsession and yeah. it's a full time job, and they they are preoccupied by it. Yeah. So there's lots of you know for sports, you, you're like looking trying to get some kind of edge and like looking at statistics or trying to find some kind of like oh is this guy playing you know just maybe some doing some research does it feel frantic does it feel anxious does it feel uh, yes. are you nervous tell me what you feel it, the anxiety the closer it gets to like let's just call it four o'clock because it because we're on the west coast and that's like kind of when when you start placing your bets like at four o'clock so you start getting some anxiety around three thirty. like how much are you gonna bet and then you know then with me it's constant like okay like where the fun's gonna come from do i have the like you know it's like it's like a full-time job moving like, things tr- moving did you things. also think like okay how can i make this bet how do i do did you need to make phone calls right yeah so it was it was i mean we didn't have DraftKings at that time or FanDuel or anything like they do nowadays. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was full on like with a bookie and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
because you know we didn't live in Vegas. So then, were you thinking about who's in the room and where is everybody and how can I sneak away? Yeah, but I, most of the time it was done before, like I came in or something, you know, in, in, the, the, car? in the house. Yeah, uh-huh. type of deal. Not very often, like in the house. I mean, obviously it was sometimes in the house because like there would be games from four to eight o'clock at night. So yeah, there would be some circumstances where, yeah, it would be handled in the house. But you know, that's, we, you know, lived in houses where if I walked upstairs, like it takes like literally 20 seconds to make a bet. Mm. Listen, there is without a doubt, no chance that we would be where we are today had we not had the support of therapy. And that's why it was really important to me today to have someone to sponsor the show that could really help you. And that is Talkspace. Listen, you can go to Talkspace.com or you can simply download the app. And when you use code Chalene, that's going to give you $100 off your first month. I don't think we'd be married today if it weren't for therapy. I know that my husband wouldn't be funny. He wouldn't be the dude that he is today. I wouldn't be who I am today. I mean, I had major addiction issues myself that I had to work through that I needed the support and help of a therapist. I didn't even know I had these issues. Do not be afraid to go to therapy. In fact, you can go to therapy before you have like a major catastrophe like we did. Go to therapy to have someone help you work through your goals or to just sort through, I don't know, thoughts and emotions that feel like they're piling up. If you just need a fresh perspective on what's going on in your friendships or your marriage or work or your relationships, therapy can help you feel better. And Talkspace is dedicated to helping you find the right therapist. You do this by going to Talkspace.com and using promo code Chalene because that's going to get you $100 off your first month. Again, you get $100 off when you go to Talkspace.com or you download the app and you use promo code Chalene. I'm telling you, smart people go to therapy. If you've never tried it, may I encourage you right now, even if you've gone in the past and it wasn't very effective, maybe you just didn't have the right therapist, go to Talkspace.com or simply download the app and don't forget to use promo code Shaleen for $100 off your first month. So when I figured out what was going on and I confronted you, actually before I confronted you, were you always anticipating it could happen at any time? Correct. 100%. I knew I was living on the edge. I knew I was living just like any one thing that I'm doing right now could get me like caught or whatever. So like what do you remember about me confronting you? I remember the chair. Yeah. The chair up in the... I just... I literally was like... I didn't fight it. I just like... I remember sitting you down. Hold on to that thought if you don't mind. I remember... So my mom and dad gave us as a gift this big brown chair. Uh Overstuffed chair that we had in our bedroom. And I had known for a week what had been going on. But I had gone into private investigator mode and I was like compiling all of my receipts I thought you were having an affair and then once I figured out like oh this is something else then I had to figure out like how long has this been going on which I really didn't know until I talked to you I couldn't tell but I knew it had been going on for a long time and I needed all 
as many receipts as I could find. And and by receipts, I mean like to figure out like kind of what was going on. But I, I really, even though I thought I knew everything that was going on, I didn't. There were so many things, so many layers to it. So many other people. Like I didn't know my parents were involved. I didn't know your brother was involved. I didn't know your boss was involved. I didn't know like I thought I knew everything, but I really didn't. But what I had done is I had decided what I was going to do. I knew I was going to confront you. And I went through every scenario. If he says this, then I'll do this. If he says that, then I'll do that. If he, like I had all the scenarios planned out. So I was very calm. Mm -hmm. And I sat you down in the chair. And I just remember, I knew the second I sat you down. I mean, I already knew everything that had happened. But the second I sat you down and confronted you, just your body language. I'm like, oh my God, so no matter what he says right now, like his face is saying everything. What do you remember? I just remember being like almost like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like somebody that I love, even though I was hurting you, somebody that I love knows and that I can get help. And like, I'm not in this alone. And even though I didn't know what you were going to do at that time, I had no clue. Mm -hmm. You didn't like lead the thing off, like going, okay, no matter what you say right now, we're still good. Like you didn't start out. So I had no idea, but I just felt like I could live and like, like breathe and like, Oh my God, this is off my chest. Wow. Like off your, like the, like the gorilla off, off my shoulders. Yeah. Like I, I had somebody cause I kept it such a secret from the person that I love the most, even though it's weird to say that because even though like I was hurting us, but I still loved you to death. So it was just like, it felt so like, oh my God, like it's over. It's, it's over. And like, yeah, like, like I don't need to go through this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, then it was just like, how do I get help? Mm-hmm. So to kind of fast forward, one of the questions people asked tonight was how, or did your addiction transfer to something else? I don't really think I'm addicted to anything right now. I think what happened was, is I really did enough therapy and a lot of therapy and EMDR in particular therapy to kind of figure out what was at the root cause. What was at the root cause. And also like, because when I was going through that, there was always a feeling in your stomach when you felt like, like this was still there. Like, what do you mean? God, this is gonna be hard to explain. Try. So there's a feeling that you get when I was gambling Mm -hmm. in my stomach. Like that's where, like it wasn't in my heart. It was in my head. It was like in my stomach. That's where I felt like the anxiety. That's where I felt the compulsion. That's where I felt like the relief. I just made a bet, that kind of stuff. That's where I felt it. So once I was able to realize that's where like I felt those feelings Mm -hmm. and we worked on that when things would drum back up and I could feel stuff getting back into my, I knew I wasn't like, I knew I wasn't completely healed. Okay. So it wasn't until, you know, a couple, three years after that, that, that 
I was able to like, I didn't have that feeling. I don't have that feeling in my stomach ever. Can I, I ask, because if I recall with your first therapist, cause you, you know, you went to two different therapists yeah. with your first therapist. Yeah. You didn't go all the way there. Correct. And we didn't do EMDR. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. The first girl. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Oh, so you didn't start doing EMDR until Kay? Linda. Oh, Linda. Kay didn't do EMDR. Oh. Oh. So that's a really interesting revelation. So the pit Mm -hmm. could still show up because you never really went all the way there. And why do you think you were reluctant to, like, really be, I don't know, vulnerable? I don't think it... I think it was the type of therapy. I don't think it was the... The therapist. I so you don't think you had a wallop? So were you aware of things that you weren't telling her? The first one, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I didn't go completely there. I didn't. There wasn't. I mean, there was trust, but it just wasn't like. I why? Just, why didn't I go all the way there? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe I wasn't quite ready yet. I thought I was. I thought I got. I mean, I felt better. I, but it wasn't until. Were I, you thinking that she would judge you? Did you want her to like you? Did you want her to not ju- like? No, no, no. Mm-mm. I don't, I don't, the judging thing or liking me, she was older. So I knew that she had already like heard it, everything. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that I just, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the EMDR allowed that to happen. I think so. That's why both of us mm-hmm. have had such success mm-hmm. with it. And I really do feel like. I do think things come up in EMDR that you're like, whoa, whoa. It's not like a suppressed memory. I don't know. I think it helped fix my gut. I think it helped fix and alleviate that feeling that I needed something to replace what was going on. And and with Kay, I don't think that ever got replaced. Mm. That's so interesting. But I don't have addictive feelings anymore like I, I will say though and I hope you're okay with me saying this is I think you were still in the habit if you will of keeping secrets because after we just you know discovered the whole gambling thing we kind of had to go to a place where I said trust starts over we're at ground zero it all has to be rebuilt and I would find you like covering up and not telling me about stupid shit and I'd be like, why would you keep that from me? It's not even something I would care about. And I feel like at that time, you were kind of in the habit of having secrets. Probably. 100%. I mean, that probably... that. I mean, I don't think I was addicted to secrets, but I think it was something it that... It felt normal? It felt normal. It was like something like, oh, I just like... I don't know. It's hard to explain. But I, I think that once... I resolved everything in my from my past and worked through all that stuff. Uh-huh. It just didn't make sense anymore to like keep secrets, or it just didn't feel good. Feel good. There we go. Or normal. It didn't feel good, and I still can sense like when I start to feel like even now. When I know that you're busy and with mm-hmm. your ADHD and mm-hmm. I know you can't take 14 conversations at once, mm-hmm. when I have to hold something for a couple of days, mm-hmm. it bothers me. Mm. And mm-hmm. 
like now, like I sent you a voice note last week that you still haven't listened to, but at least I got it off my chest. What was it about? It's about one of our agencies. Okay. I sent you a whole five minute thing. <laughs> and I said, listen to this when you can. But now the deal is this. It's off of my chest. It's mm-hmm. in your court. Yeah. It's not on my conscious anymore. Okay. So doing stuff like that and learning to cope with it differently like that, rather than like in the past, that might've been like something that I might've just dealt with myself yeah, and not told you about it. And just like, and then you find out about three months later and I just go, oh, I just d- did it myself. Yeah. And then you'd get upset. Go, Why didn't you talk to me about that? And, yes. and the excuse isn't, well, you weren't ever available Okay, well, I, I know that sometimes you have a lot going on and I know that your brain doesn't take multiple topics at once. So leave it in a voice note and send it to you. Yeah. And then at least now it's not in my court anymore. It's in your court. Yeah, that's good. And I do that quite often. Yeah, you do. Because I don't want to hold on to it. Because my personality is get the problem, fix the f- problem. Mm-hmm. Get the problem, fix the problem. Get the problem, fix the problem. And that's not how you operate. Mm -hmm. So if that's going to give me anxiety to hold that problem, I have to release the problem to you, whether it's a voice note or whatever. And at least then it's in your court. I don't, I haven't thought about it since then Mm. until right now. Yeah. So, cause I've released it. And for me, I am obviously, I mean, you guys know, cause you're listening. I am such an open book. I disclose things I probably are inappropriate to disclose. I can't. And partly it's because I can't keep stories straight. So it's like, I'm just going to tell you everything now. So when people do hide, when it feels like someone's hiding something or just not whatever you call it, like, I don't want to say lying, but yeah, sometimes lying or keeping things from me. That's like a deal breaker. Like lying is a deal breaker for me. And secrets are a deal breaker for me, like the relationship's over. So like that's something we really had to work through because you had kept secrets like all your life, like to protect yourself, to, you know, cover up traumas or whatever. And so we had to work through that. And here's what I will say about like anyone who is busy keeping track of all those things. Right, right, like not trying to deal with those things, mm-hmm. you're going to be preoccupied and you're not going to be fun to be around. Nope. So if you're with a partner right now who is, I, I personally believe, I don't know if you agree, anyone who's short-tempered, like people aren't naturally short-tempered. You're short-tempered if you're trying to deal with 19 things at once on a subconscious level. Especially with somebody that you're, that you love, you're not short-tempered with that quickly. Uh-huh. So would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, my personality changed uh, 100, oh my God, diff- I would never be married to that guy yeah. this long. Yeah, and our kids noticed it. and Everything. As as everything fixed it. And- You're a comp- you weren't even funny back then. No, and I'm you were- really funny right now. You are? I say You're funny like- all the time now. What do you think that is? I don't know. Like when I would always said, like, I want to marry someone who's like super funny or at least finds me really funny. Well, I mean, you found me funny, but I didn't think you were funny at all until after you'd done all that therapy. And then I'm like, who are you? Like, how did I get this guy? I married you because you were hot and you were smart. <laughs> and I thought you were a good dad. I knew you were going to be a good dad. But I was like, but you know what? He's, he's not funny, but that's okay because I am. 
And then after therapy, I'm like, who, this guy's actually funny. Who would have known? How come you weren't able to be funny before it? I don't know. Because I was preoccupied. Maybe funny didn't come out until I was like able to just be free. Like mind clear. Like I'm, I think when you are juggling all these thoughts in your head, Mm -hmm. you don't have the ability to be like sharp witted and like funny and like present present and like think of things like, and like my funny is like you saying something five hours ago and then me tying it back into something that we just saw. Right. There's a lot of usually my funny. Right. You're very quick witted, which I never knew. And so I think that I think <laughs> like, it was I would think our kids now growing up they would have said I was the funny one but now they would say oh dad's funnier than mom. Oh for sure. <laughs> They'd crack up at me. <laughs> uh, I mean you guys have your own group thread of just like dad dad sayings. Dad sayings, yes. That's true. Which it's so much more fun. Here's the other thing. I think that people who are secure can laugh at themselves. Yep. And I think when you have secrets, when you have traumas you haven't worked through, when you're hurt and it's unresolved, then you can't let people poke fun at you. And you think people you're are constantly you. on the defense. And you think people might be judging you. They th- you sometimes you think like, oh, do they know like what's happened to me? Like there was a time probably for a couple years that like during the therapy, like I went through a stage where I was uncomfortable just being around people that knew that gambling was a issue. Oh, friends and stuff like that. And I didn't know did they that. judge us? Because I never really showed it to me. I just I never really showed it. I just in my brain I was like oh, but then it, it got to the point where like please talk, like I'm sure they got shit too. You, you know what do you mean? Like everybody has demons and everybody has their own baggage Mm -hmm. and so i was just like it got to the point where like okay at least i look at like the gambling thing as Mm -hmm. like okay i won what explain okay i lost a lot of money Mm -hmm. but i ended up beating it because it didn't take over my life and i didn't lose my life because of it you end up beating it we end up having a better relationship and uh, we have better communication you went through all that therapy which was a so, I mean, I don't know, maybe we need to do a whole podcast where we break all that down. But one of the conditions when I realized what was going on and I did all of the research before confronting him so that I had all of my facts straight and, and if I, you know, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. I went to your parents and I went to your brother uh-huh. and because I, I wanted them to know what you had done. I went to, I think I went to my parents. I can't remember. Yeah, they knew. Yeah, they knew, but... I went to my parents and Rob first. And almost kind of like in a tattletale kind of way. I wanted them to know, like, and I was, oh God, I was emblazoned. I was just like, you need to know, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to say. Because I feel like it was during football season or just before, just before. It was just before football season. Mm -hmm. And so, and your dad was a very different person then. He was intimidating and powerful and scary like you were scared of him your brother was scared of him your mom was scared of him and not because he was like would beat anyone or anything he was just an intimidating character the whole city was intimidated by bob i was not and i needed bob to know here are my conditions because i knew bob placed family first Uh i knew that him 
for him, it would be important that we stayed together more mm-hmm. than anything else. And so I needed to tell him, but football was pretty high on that list. And you were coaching with him at that and time. I was pretty high on that list. Yeah. Yeah. So I needed Bob to know that here are the conditions of us staying together. And I need Brett to get into, I don't know if it's inpatient therapy or like outpatient therapy, but it's intensive or I'm not, and he needs to admit it and he needs to be remorseful and he needs to take full accountability and we need to pay all these people back or I'm not staying. And I remember your dad was like, well, what does this mean for football (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing? And I'm like, Bob, football doesn't matter. And I remember Dana like really came to my defense. Do you remember that? Yeah. A little family meeting. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget that. And that, that means a lot to me that she, I felt like I was looking across the room cause I th- think it was like Rob and Dana and your dad and your mom. And, and I just remember you look like a, you look scared for the first time. Like you look like a little, little boy almost. Uh, yeah. Until then I was very intimidated by you. Like you controlled the relationship. Your mood dictated everything. But then suddenly there was like this power differential. Do you remember feeling that? Well, I mean, just because, like, when somebody does somebody so wrong, I mean, you don't, like... Okay, put it this way. I still wanted to be married. We still had kids. I wanted to be a family. So I knew if I was, like, going to be a and be, like, a power, like, like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of this. Like, that wasn't going to work. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I was smart enough to know, like, okay, I need to fix this. And and I'm going to do what, at this point right now... I just had a feeling that, like, I needed to get fixed for the long run. Mm. And I didn't know that meant, like, you and I would have this amazing relationship years later. Mm-hmm. But that's what I wanted. And mm. I didn't know if it was going to happen. And I was w- willing to do the work. Because I've never mm. been somebody that's, like, shied away from work. Ever. Yeah, that's true. Or shied away from work or shied away from like somebody coaching me Mm. it was like one of my number one characteristics of being a good athlete is i was very coachable i don't have very many coaches that coach me that said oh he's an (laughs) even the guy that benched me at michigan state perlis god rest his soul like called me into his office after that and he said he finally told me like you know what you said was pretty impactful and I've thought about it and you know the part of that was right I don't think you should have done it the way you did it but you know what the way I treated you I apologize like he called Probably me and, that. yeah he apologized because he knew that what he did was wrong too mm-hmm. and so you know that was really the only altercation I ever had with a coach mm-hmm. and but you know did I tell you Mouse just called me side note no 90 no. years old he called no. me way okay mouse davis is look him up he's like the one of the greatest when did all, this happen like last week <gasps> i can't believe you didn't tell me i don't i just i'm sorry it wasn't a secret, a secret. <laughs> no <laughs> he called me and uh when i was over Red, at sierra's house come on getting johnny blue why well, i texted him because i knew i had his number and i i knew he hadn't passed away yeah and I just said, hey, is this Coach Davis? I'd love for you to give me a call sometime if this is still your number. And he called me. Well, we have to go into this after the podcast. But 
I will to tie back to like a betrayal or gambling or whatever, like because gambling is a betrayal, right? And so anyone who's listening, who's ever experienced a betrayal or addiction, the one thing, and I'm not an expert at this in any way, shape or form, but I will say the one thing that I believe has to be present. And if this thing is present, there's a chance the one thing that has to be present is the person who betrayed you has to have remorse and they have to be willing to change and be willing to do the work and be willing to really like not just for three months or six months or a year, but really show consistency and, you know, change. Cause it wasn't easy. I mean, I was like, There is no trust. Like, there is zero. I have to look at you as someone who is out to hurt me. Because that's what you've done. So, that means whether you like... Like, I don't want to ask you where you're going. You need to tell me where you're going. You need to tell me what you're doing. Like, and I took over all of the finances. I took over all of the bills. I took over everything. Every single penny. He He had access to nothing. And... That was our agreement, but also part of our agreement was that I wouldn't bring it up again. Like the past is the past. We operate from ground zero and we're not going to bring up the past. I'm not going to torture you with this. When we fought, I didn't bring it up. Is that accurate? Correct. I never brought it up and I, I didn't harbor resentment. It's like that was the past. Now let's start over. But starting over means... Like, you know. And the funny thing about it is that people are going there like, oh my, he must be obsessed with money. And I could care less about money. On both of us. We both could care less about money. Yeah. Like, literally, if one of our friends, like, needed money, like, like it just doesn't matter. It's a, no, it's, it's an energy. Yeah. It's an energy and we know that we can make it and we know that we can do good with it and stuff, but it's not it's so fun. gambling. Once I got to the point, like it like I figured out it wasn't about money. Gambling right. was never mon- about money. Right, for me. right, right. So, you know, and gambling might be about money for somebody and you know, whatever your addiction might be, but the money wasn't the thing. Mm-hmm. It was the adrenaline. It was the mm-hmm. lack of competition. It was the replacement. It was mm-hmm. the need to like replace that that thing in my gut. Mm-hmm. And but now, like when Shalene says like she took over the finances, I mean, you guys know our story. Like I mean, that's what I do. Yeah, eventually took them back. <laughs> took them back, and like you know. A little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. We still, every single year, every quarter, go over things. I always make sure that she knows where the money's at. She literally could call up our financial advisor and there's not one thing that that he could tell her that she hasn't been told by me. Mm -hmm. Like she knows where everything's going, what we're doing, and... It's not about like the money and I'm not addicted to like making it. I'm not addicted. I'm obsessed with helping people invest it properly. You're obsessed with helping other people do it. Yes. Do do it it. the right way. Yeah. And like do like don't be stupid. Yes. And that kind of stuff, which is hysterical because I was, you couldn't be more stupid with money than I was when I was (laughs) gambling. But you know. Now it's just like... It's it controlled us then. It, it has no power over Zero us power. Money has zero power. Which is one of the reasons why I think we continue to be blessed. Because 
it's like, it's just an energy. Yeah. Just like anything else. It's just an energy. Well, thanks for being so honest and open. I love you. Love you too, baby. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Shalene Show. I didn't know how this was going to turn out. Thank you so much for suggesting that we cover this topic and also submitting the questions that you did. Sometimes I feel like I need to send you a check in the mail for the therapy that you provide us just by asking these questions and giving us a a platform to be able to share these things. This is a really cool thing. I don't know how Brett feels about it. I'm going to have to ask him tomorrow after he's had a chance to process this. But for me, I got answers to questions that I, I hadn't even thought to ask him. And while Brett is sometimes featured on The Shalene Show, he is a regular contributor on Patreon. And in particular, I put him on the vault level because some of the things that he says really need to be filtered. They are not appropriate for public consumption. And if you enjoy hearing from Brett, you can handle those unfiltered conversations. I think you'd love being a vault member. In any event, I would love to have you check out Patreon, but don't take my word for it. Here is one of my favorite Patreon members, one of my favorite people, Jane, Jane Wilson, who is the person who I'm going to give her credit for convincing me to try pole dancing. All right, Jane, tell us what you think about the vault. Hey there, it's Jane, and I'm a vault member of the Shalene Show Patreon. Now, initially, I was just going to try the vault level for a month and then cancel. However, I have stayed because I realized I wanted more real and unfiltered content in my life. Also, I was looking for some keen insight in living an abundant life, and I definitely got that at the vault level. So I've been loving it, enjoying it, and totally recommend. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son, Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on the Shaleen Show. It, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just real, raw, what's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be, all right? You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash The Shalene Show. Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shalene.com. 